Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. Welcome to the Tech Educator Podcast. We are here broadcasting live. It is Wednesday night, May the 9th at 8.30 Eastern. We're here live on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, and TeacherCast TV. Tonight, we're going to be talking all about social media, and we're going to be diving into it from the lesson plan standpoint. What can we do with social media in our classrooms? How can we create curricular lessons around it? And what are some of the things that we can do to help keep our students safe on it? We've got a great panel. I want to first bring on our good friend from California, Sam Patterson. How are you today, Sam? Welcome to the show. I'm doing real well today, Jeff. I'm enjoying May. It yes. Certainly nice out there. How's everything out in California? Well, other than the fact that the kids have caught something that turns them into empowered people with their very own ideas about how we should be spending all of our time, and it's going great. That is pretty awesome. Looking forward to learning more about that as we go. Uh, from our friends up from the north from Canada, Miss Jennifer Giffen. Jen, how are you today? Hi, Jeff. I'm good. Thanks. It is good to see I, you're, you're outside by the fireplace. I am. I am outside. We only get so much time in Canada to be outside. So uh, three weeks ago, we had a foot of snow on the ground and we finally got some spring. So I come outside as much as I can. Very, very cool. How's your podcast doing? Everything on the podcast is going well. We just recorded episode eight. We are definitely noobs compared to you, but we're really enjoying it. It's a really fun process. And where can we go to learn more? You can go to bit.ly slash shooks, S-H-U-K-E-S, and GIF, G-I-F-F, to find everything. Awesome. I want to bring on from uh, the great state of Connecticut, Mr. Robert Pennington. How are you today, Rob? I am doing well. Uh, Beautiful day today. The weather is definitely... uh, Getting the kids excited. We're working on an outdoor classroom and getting kids outside and just really, I'm so happy because, you know, even here in Connecticut, just a couple of weeks ago, it was cold and rainy and just not, not great. Mm-hmm. Nice to have you here. And I want to bring on a special guest from Disrupt Ed TV, Mr. Richard Allen. Richard, how are you today? Welcome to the show. Honored. Rich, try that one more time. We had you muted. Sure. All right. Can you hear me now? Absolutely. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Very honored to be here today. Tell us a little bit about Disrupt Ed. Uh, Disrupt Ed is, uh, is a show that uh, highlights uh, teachers and administrators are looking to disrupt the status quo uh, and do a little something different in the classroom to improve uh, the uh, student achievement and teacher practices. Nice. And where can we learn more about it? Well, you can find us at uh, www.disrupt-edtv.com. You can see us on Twitch, YouTube, Vimeo, <clears throat> IEEE TV, RVN TV, and um, I think I might be missing one. And we're on social media. You can uh, find us everywhere on social media. Hard to, hard to miss us. Nice. Check them out over on Twitter at Disrupt Ed TV. Again, we're here live. It is Wednesday, May 9th. Thank you guys for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking with social media here about social media. Um, before I get to that topic, though, I wanted to kind of throw this topic around to you guys. Did anybody have a chance to see the Google I.O. conference that happened this week and catch any of the... Uh, the, the new things that are coming out from our friends at Google. Did anybody happen to see anything there? 
Uh, Jeff, I saw a piece on Facebook that was highlighting Google Assistant's ability to make phone calls uh, in yes. order to uh, make schedule schedule things and this kind of stuff, which is interesting because, like, yesterday I heard a news story about legislation to ban all types of robocalls, mm-hmm. right? And then today... I hear, you know, get your own robocaller. So it's <laughs> it's interesting to to kind of look at this. I did I did wonder about like like how quickly is this going to lose efficacy? I mean, ultimately, wouldn't it be great to be able to like use this to communicate, you know, that Johnny's doing really well in math and do you have any questions about his recent homework completion, you know? And those kinds of things, and just like, like export, you know, some of that personal check-in through a digital assistant. Um, on another level, it kind of makes me want to throw my phone out the window. <laughs> Sam, I'm surprised you say that. I think you would, you, you'd be the one that's loving this. I heard some of the, uh, for any, okay, so let's just kind of back up your Google Assistant, which is, I, I don't even want to say it, guys. It's Google's version of Siri. It's right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of one of those things, right? I, I think it's Google's version of how of uh, right. Well, um, <laughs> right. But the idea is they're taking this whole AI and machine learning, which depending on who you are, might be the same thing and it might be two different things, but they're really kicking this up right to where the idea is you can actually have your Google assistant call and let's say order you coffee or get you a haircut appointment or something. And they showed some examples of this where it, it actually is a real in quotes here, real voice that's calling and making an appointment. If someone says, you know, Hey, what was that time again? Or, Hey, that time is taken. What about something else? It will adjust on the fly. It'll um, say um, uh, some of these um, uh, words that make normal human speech sound normal. It's pretty scary. I mean, Sam, I was thinking that you would love this because now you can literally have Waka the puppet, have a conversation with your Google assistant and it would just fly on here. Right. Um, it was it was definitely uncanny. And they they had one example where the assistant called up a restaurant to ask for reservations. It was noisy. It was difficult to understand the person on the other end. But they figured out that the party wouldn't need reservations during that time. It was a very clunky um, interaction and it was still successful, which, you know, great um but at the same time like okay if we can automate some mundane parts of communication then what does that free us up to do what you know what can we you know how can we take advantage of this i guess well what what does everybody else think i mean okay having a virtual assistant if you will make an appointment for us how is that any different than going to your phone and using an app to make a pizza at domino's or something like that is that any different because we're still doing it without speaking to a human ourselves well one thing i noticed that with all the technology Uh, We're not doing less. We're actually doing more. I think the whole idea was that life was supposed to be easier, but now we just do more because we have assistance. So So is it good to be doing more or is it scary to be doing more or? Good question. You know, it depends what you're doing, especially what you're doing. I mean, but. And why you're doing it, right? Yeah. I, I think one of the other neat things that came out this week 
I'd love your opinions on this one. I was talking to an English teacher about this, but um, coming soon for Gmail. Uh, many of us have recently updated our Gmails. I, I think the new version is kind of cool. It took me a while to get used to it, but they now have a feature coming out where if you put in uh, a certain subject, it'll actually start to write the email for you. And if you put in, you know, a, a couple numbers, it'll recognize that as, as an address and it'll fill out the address. And I'm going, how soon before kids are trying to write their homework assignments using Gmail and just having it fill in the answers? Hmm. I, think, I-, I think, Jeff, it speaks to how we're going to have to really shift our practice. How so? Right. Well, if you think about it now, when teachers tell me like, oh, I don't want the students to have access. So we're going to do online assessments. So I'm going to use Google Forms, let's say, to do a quiz. I'm like, But how can I shut down the rest of the Internet so they can't find the answers? I'm like, why are you asking questions that they can Google? Because when was the last time in your job or in your everyday life you weren't allowed to Google something? So is that a realistic way to prepare them for what's ahead? There's certain things, obviously, that we're going to need to, to know and learn. And, but I think that comes with time and, and sort of rote learning that's going to happen naturally. So, for example, I learned a little bit of coding um, to write a Google Apps script that I tweeted about um, yesterday. Jeff, I think I, I shared it with you. Just to help um, the doc appender process. I don't really know how to code, but there are certain things now that I know pretty innately to put in because of the repetition of learning something in an authentic place. So, but but um, at this very moment, could you rattle off the eight lines of code you would need verbatim? Or uh, would you probably look at a reference? I would, I would, I would know of the eight, I'd probably know three off the top of my head and mm-hmm. then I'd look up the five. And that's right. kind of my point is I, I can look up the five, right? I can go to the stack, whatever it's called that I just learned about today that I was so excited about. Stack, stack overflow. overflow. Yeah. yeah. And I'm right. I was, where was this when I was trying to write this code? Um, but GitHub I can go account? to those things. Do I part of me? You have a GitHub account? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get one. Yeah. Yeah. GitHub. That's yeah. another great resource. Oh my gosh, I'm writing all this down. You guys are the best. I'm so glad I came tonight. Um, but you know, Jeff, so, Jeff getting, getting to her point, if you're, if you're assigning homework that can be done by a computer, then maybe the homework's not rigorous enough. And maybe, maybe homework, that homework isn't the homework we should have ever been assigning. Maybe, maybe this is a good time to start flipping the classroom. If, uh, if you know, That's one get around for it. <coughs> or work around, I should say, is uh, start flipping the classroom. Um, and our, our kids need to know how to make their computers do their homework because in their real job in life, they're going to have to make their computers do their homework too. And I'm and serious. I, I think with this, this tool, I mean, it's just going to save a lot of time. Like if you send the same email, you started off with the same person, it's just going to put that in for you. Um, and that alone is going to save seconds but over the course of a day it might save you a few minutes and i think that that's a great intuitive tool that students teachers should be able to use to save time in some of that work that needs to get done save time to do what rob well that's the question right probably go to the bathroom more often what we're really talking about here friends is avoiding kidney disease a plague of many teachers and with that sam shifts the topic to our main topic for today which is social media should we be having it should we be doing it where are we as we head through the uh 2018 that was a that was a major transition there for you sam Thank um you. 
I was having a conversation today, in fact, with one of my teachers about, you know, should we be having our kids create accounts? Should we be creating a school account and giving it to our kids to use for a 45 minute period, whatever? Um, and I'd love to open the discussion by saying, you know, are there activities that you guys as tech coaches um, are encouraging your teachers to do using Twitter, Facebook? I've got some teachers using Instagram these days. Um, what do you guys think about the status of social media these days? Hmm. For one sec. Jen, you look like you're ready to jump in. I can yeah, do it. I, I just, I, I think that we need to be responsible. And this goes back to, I think the last time I was on the show with you, Jeff, and we were talking about privacy and students. And there's certain terms of students, uh, terms of service um, that really outline that you need to be over a certain age. So I think that question has a few parts to it. So if you're like me dealing with secondary students that are over 14, I think that's a different ball game than if you're dealing with students who are like the K to eight students, kids like my own children. I don't, I don't want my eight year old to be getting a, you know, an account for Facebook or for, for any, even Seesaw, let's say um, that he's then going to get spammed and not really know how to be digitally responsible when he, you know, clicks through things. So I think that it's, it's a beast with many layers. You know, the question is interesting because um, <clears throat> if, the, if the question is, should they get it, uh, should they get, uh, you know, get onto social media, the question is, for what? <clears throat> if, if, there was a, if you could answer the so what question, then maybe the answer could be yes or no. If you, if you can't answer it, then the answer is no. You know, why, why should they be on social media? And, you know, we're talking about preparing students for the 21st century and for the jobs uh, that, are, that are out there. Uh, there are jobs now. Uh, in, uh, with social media where, well, well for ourselves, I mean, to, to do marketing um, and to handle all the social media out there, um, you're, you're paying companies uh, anywhere between five and fifteen, twenty-five thousand dollars uh, a month uh, to do your social media. So there is, there is a job out there for people who know how to use uh, social media responsibly. So the, so the question is, should you give, uh, should you practice social media skills in school? Well, if schools are to prepare you for the 21st century skills that you need, then the answer is yes. Um, but can teachers today do that? Do they, do they have the skills and the skill set to teach students how to do that work uh, in the quote-unquote real world? Well, let me, Rob, as the as our, our token elementary administrator here, um, what do you suggest to your teachers? I mean, obviously, your kids are all under 13, so giving them a Twitter account doesn't work. But if there was a class Twitter account and you wanted to pretend that you were George Washington and you were doing what would George Washington tweet, is that an okay thing for your kids to do? Well, and I think that under the premise of... The, it's you know the teacher's account that's been created and through that tool they are having some conversations around being digitally responsible students i have my art teacher who has an instagram account and you know she's sharing the great artwork that kids are doing and you know now kids will take it and they'll take a picture but it's under her account 
So those are some of, it really comes down to what's the purpose. You can't just say yes or no. What is the purpose that you're looking for? But I do think one of the things I've expressed is we want to be able to share these things. Um, we want to be able to give students the opportunity to have an authentic audience as well. I mean, it's different when they're doing something for the teacher or even for the administrator coming in, but if they're making or doing something that they have an opportunity to connect with an authentic audience, that just takes whatever they're doing and amplifies it a little bit. What do you think, Sam? Um, I think that there's a lot of different ways that social media can be used. And I think it's the kind of thing that teachers have to be pretty careful about, as we talked about before. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's like some really simple guidelines. And I'm going to click through a fistful of them here that will allow us to put a topic on this, like 11 tips for teachers about social media. Um, And you're going to BuzzFeed us. Oh, totally. (laughs) We, We are BuzzFeeding right now. Uh, once a day, share something specific. I love to get a picture close up of some kids work. I've got their hands in the picture, not their faces. I'm not worrying about that. Um, but it shows you kids working, doing stuff, having a couple examples on there. Um, because I do assume that the parents and, you know, people in my school follow the various accounts that I'm associated with. So I use that to share some of what we're doing. Uh, Tip two, don't engage in the current debate. Whatever it is, that hot new topic people are talking about, ignore it. It's not important. Three, follow widely and unfollow freely. Now, with with your school social media account, one of the funnest things you can do is find every other, like if you're a third grade teacher, put third grade into that search function. Find every third grade class you can and follow them. And the minute you don't like something they're doing, unfollow them. Don't even worry about it. Just boom, gone. Um, expect your kids and parents to read your feed, lift up someone else's work. This is really easy. If you're following a bunch of other classrooms, not sure on what to post for the day, grab one of their posts, hit retweet, say, this is a great idea. Um, one of the best ways you can engage is to ask people questions. They post something they like, ask them a question about it. Super not threatening. They're like, Hey, ask me a question about this. I just posted a picture. Um, number five chats aren't required. A lot of people are super excited about Twitter chats. In fact, I've done some Twitter chat work that changed the whole world. I swear to God. Uh, it wasn't really for the good, maybe. Um, so chats, they aren't required. Turn notifications off. You don't need them. Use threads to tie together a group of examples. If you're a teacher on Twitter, put the first picture up, write the title of what it is, and then use the thread function to just put a picture of every other kid's work. You can post all of your kid's work on one tweet without any of their faces. Um, interact with those who feed your practice. You see people posting good ideas, say, oh my goodness, that was a really good idea. It might make their day. Um, And never forget that these platforms, this is really important, were built to monetize outrage. They were built to monetize disagreement. Don't make money for them. That's a lot. That's 11. Sam, we did, um, Disrupt Dad hosted... um, a, uh, a, a a chat with our uh, with uh, about student athletes mm-hmm. hosted by hosted by student athletes and uh, at uh, at Del Cio Regional School District down here in Jersey uh, and it was really really uh, well done well received but pretty exciting for the students they 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 had a good time doing it um, but uh, you know what the um, 
I have a checklist. When I was a principal of the high school, I had a checklist that I would go through look, uh, to make sure the teachers had all those things that we thought as a faculty uh, and staff uh, was important to have. One was evidence of technology. So I didn't want to see the computer, and I didn't want to see the LCD projector, and I didn't want to see the calculators. What I wanted to see was evidence that those things were used to produce something. <clears throat> and I think sometimes when we talk about technology or talk about social media, it's not about having the students on it and engaged in it, but actually producing something. Because of social media, because we use social media in the classroom, I've produced this, or we've discovered that, and I want to see what that is. I don't want to see it on a device. I want to see it actually come to life. And I think that's where we get hung up. Like, what am I supposed to do with this computer? Or oh, have the computer on the computer? I'm having them on social media is not enough. What have I produced? Have, have I created a change? Have I created a conversation? Do I have people talking now because of my use of social media? So well, and one of the things that in my classroom, I really try to create a process-centered classroom. And it's hard. And um, when I'm doing social media right, it's able to help me illustrate that process in a way that's difficult to do actually in the real classroom. Because in the real classroom, our stuff changes, right? But if I'm using social media to capture it along the way, I can then use it to illustrate that process better. Right, yeah, process versus goal. If your process is done well and you can look and study the process, the goals take care of themselves. I like that. And it's, it's something you have to be mindful of because social media can be so much about being Pinterest perfect, but it's not about that, you know, one picture or one capturable thing. It's about celebrating the way we get there. So, you know, a lot of what we're saying, I think, is going to keep coming back to this. Be really thoughtful about what you're doing because it totally matters. And this is just another, uh, you know, illustration of that. I, I love that quote. Yeah. It's not about capturing the thing. It's about celebrating the way we got there. That's really nice. Yeah. I also think there's something to be said for what Sam said about not being Pinterest perfect. I think when we're going to use social media, we really need to keep the wellness of our students in mind because people don't generally post the fails and they don't post the struggle, right? It's Sylvia Duckworth's little iceberg sketch note where all that struggle is under the surface. And so we need to, even when we are engaging in social media and saying, hey, let's tweet all these things out, having them be aware that having the conversations around, okay, what do you think it took them to get there so that they don't think, oh gosh, we had to struggle and it, seemingly they didn't, right? So I think certainly the, their wellness has to be acknowledged when I, we're going to implement it in our practice. I, I love that, Jim. I, uh, as, a, as a principal, people would come into my, uh, my office and there was, a, there was a bulletin board there and um, a little notes and, and they would think it was something good and they'd read it and say, well, wait, this isn't a good letter. This is a good letter. I, I took the good letters away and put those failures up so that people know, mm. you know I'm, I'm struggling like they are. Um, and students, students felt relieved. Oh, you, you mean you're going through things too? And teachers the, the same way. They're like, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm not going through the struggles alone. So how did you handle those struggles? Uh, too often we put up the trophies and the plaques and the certificates and so, well, how do I compete with that? How do, how do I keep up with that? Or they can't relate to me because, you know, they're, they're an award-winning principal. So if you put up, even on social media, celebrate your failures. <clears throat> like Jeff, uh, Jeff said at a conference one day, um, when, um, I think it was up at a high point, Jeff, I, I, I think, right? right? He said failure <clears throat> means uh, first attempt in learning. 
And I've stole that line. I borrowed that line ever since I heard it. Uh, but yeah. We should be celebrating our failures. And, and you're right, on Pinterest and on uh, on Twitter, we just see the successes. We don't see the failures. So it's a great point. Sam, talk to us a little bit about some of the activities that we can do. Because so many people look at social media and say, oh, great, I have it, but I don't know what to do with it. Could you give us any examples of maybe how you can create a lesson around Instagram or a Twitter feed or a Facebook? And, you know, you know, there's there's a lot of different goals you can hit. And it really depends on what you're doing. When I was teaching English, one of my favorite things to do with social media was to browbeat people I followed into reading my students' work and responding to it. And when I worked really hard at it and pushed those blog posts and got people to respond to them, it was amazing in my class. So that was super fun, and it was a great thing to do. Um, Right now, I use social media a lot locally. So I know that my classroom parents follow my accounts and we have some in-school social media that we kind of work on and it gives us an opportunity to do kind of small group video and reflection. In the makerspace, one of my favorite things to do is to end the day with a, you know, point your camera at the mess you made and explain what it was supposed to be. Um and that's, you know, one of my favorite kind of ways to wrap up. So in almost any class, you can have a nice reflective piece like that as long as you don't do it too often. Well, that brings up the question about what social media is here, right? Because a lot of teachers have what's called a personal account and then a professional account. And maybe they even have a classroom account. But Sam, you've said a couple of times here, you got to pretend that everybody follows every one of your accounts. Right. I have I have a ridiculous number of accounts and I pretend yes, you do. that, <clears throat> you know, my you know, that my grandmother and my superintendent are following all of them um, because that's just how, you know, you have to really be mindful of what you're doing. Um, there's a lot going on in what happens in social media. Jen, you mentioned uh, well-being and I was at a common sense media piece uh, presentation a couple weeks ago about uh, children's well-being and the persuasive technology and the way that notifications work on us. And I really think that anytime we do anything with social media, especially if we're looking at things like likes or engagement numbers, we really have to be careful with that because a lot of that has no place at all in the classroom. Once we get into engagement numbers and views and likes and retweets or looking at any of those dynamics, you're dealing with a psychology that may be much more powerful than you as a teacher realize at first. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, um, my, my son came home a couple weeks ago. He's in the second grade. And he said, hey, can you film this? And he was doing something. I said, yeah, sure. So I pulled out my camera and I filmed it. And all of a sudden at the end, he just like threw himself on the floor. And I said, what's going on? And he said, I don't want people to give me thumbs down. I don't want people to give me thumbs down. I said, what are you? T I've never I've never put him on on YouTube without his knowledge. And I certainly didn't know that he knew about thumbs up and thumbs down on YouTube. And he, I guess, has a friend in class who has all these YouTube videos and he's getting thumbs up and thumbs down. And I was just filming it on my iPhone. I wasn't putting it out anywhere, but it's, it's in his head and he's, he needs to look perfect and I want it to be right. And I don't want, and he's like, just erase it, erase it off your phone. So it can't get there. And he doesn't even understand how it gets to YouTube and he's already worried about that. So it's, it's, it's an issue. He's eight. Right. Right. And, and you shouldn't should be terrified of your own movie. Correct. Right. 
And that comes down to, as Sam said, that psychology piece, because when you get likes or people, it's that hit of dopamine at where you just, people can really affect their social, emotional well-being. And so it is, it should not be about that. It should be about connecting. It should be about sharing, um, not whether one, you know, one person saw it or five million saw it. What happens when you want to be using social media, Sam, for your students? You had said in the past that that's where your, your paper bag puppets come in. Talk to us a little bit about using social media with your kids, but not necessarily putting them on social media. Right. There's a number of different ways you can get your kids, their work and their voices online without ever putting their faces there. One of the best is to kind of do an animation of some sort and then have them record a voiceover. It can be a really easy way to do it. Uh, puppets are another great way. I, I like puppets a lot because we make them in the makerspace and then they become this great physical avatar. So you could have a student do a long series of video reflections all with the puppet and they would all be completely socially shareable. Um, we've done this some, we don't do it a ton because you know, making any video recording in the classroom takes uh, some logistical work and you know, the kids really want the work to sound good and they don't want 25 kids voices in the background and then you're like oh cool no problem let me just pull out my pocket recording studio that lives in my bag of holding that's completely silent on the inside and i can still observe you completely yeah these places don't exist right so you have to be comfortable with imperfect recordings and you have to get the kids comfortable with imperfect recordings and then they can be pretty powerful but puppets are great because they give you that physical avatar and you can satisfy that i'm making a video without having their faces in it what uh, what ages would you say that's for i mean obviously you know there is a point in time and maybe is it middle school to ninth grade where puppets aren't necessarily hip to try but maybe the 12th grade i mean what, what do you see here as far as using I have it? kindergartners that look at me like i'm crazy with the puppets it's not just the older kids well, right but at the same time Right. You have the older kids who are more than willing to be down with the puppets if you make it a safe, creative place. If you're running a classroom where it has to be cool to try it, you've screwed up the classroom. Right. You need to have a classroom where everybody can be a doofus. You know, they're, they're, you know, um, you're talking about recording and having a perfect recording. They're, they're now recording uh, movies. They're, they're, video, they're videotaping movies. Um, not not with uh, the big fancy cameras, but with the iPhones. So <clears throat> when the word gets out that you can produce a movie on your iPhone, uh, then uh, then the stakes get higher. You know, so then you know then they are going to judge your quality versus uh, was it Spike Lee who did a movie, entire movie mm-hmm. on his iPhone. Mm-hmm. So and kids kids know that. You know, stu- our students know that they know who's doing what with what. And, uh, you know, and then, they, they, they might say they did the, got the entire movie on the iPhone, but I would like to know a lot more about the audio setup, because, frankly, there is no way they shot the entire movie with the iPhone's microphone. I'll believe the camera lens. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to believe that they shot all the sound for that movie on the phone. Well, definitely not. I mean, OK, I'm looking here at my iPad and there's an app called LumaFusion. Um, it's 20 bucks, but essentially it is Final Cut Pro on your iPad. I mean, it does almost everything that you need and it, it's pretty darn good. If you're looking to actually, you know, take your kids and do some, you know, really 
You know, it's more than just green screen. It is it is a multi-layered video application that I would recommend to anybody. It's called again LumaFusion. You can do some pretty cool stuff with that. And just to add to what Sam was doing with puppets, when you get a little bit older, there is like common craft videos where they're you know, they'll design images and they'll have different things that'll be pointing and they're telling a story and they can have it be even, you know, slow motion and different pieces where they are not on the camera, but they are actually like narrating and telling the story. And that's another cool project that you can, that kids can do and share. We, of course, want to know what you guys out there think. We are here on the Tech Educator Podcast live every single Wednesday night at 8.30 Eastern. Um, Sam, next week we've got an interesting topic about puppets. I know we're going to be diving into this more. Um, Talk to us a little bit about what we have coming up next week. Next week we've got a special guest who has been using puppets in his classroom for years. And you're going to be subjected to him and I geeking out about all of the amazing different ways that puppets can figure into classrooms for students of all ages. I think we're going to be talking a lot about creativity. We're going to be talking a lot about risk-taking and we're going to be talking a lot about kind of that spark and magic that can really power a lesson. So that is how happening next week. Now, look, before we wrap up today, we've been talking about social media and our students. Um, I want to take the ending of this show a little bit more personal because you know, my kids are four years old. Uh, Jen, you've got younger kids. They're not teenagers yeah. yet, are they? No, no. I have uh, an eight-year-old and si- almost six-year-old twins. Okay. And and Rob, your kids are little older. Uh, that eight to ten and twelve. Ten and twelve. Um, what happens when your eight to ten-year-old comes up and says, "Mommy, Daddy, can I get an Instagram account?" Do you create one for the family that they can then post? Or do you say, look, this is Parenting 101. Let's go with this. What, what is the answer for our own families? My answer at eight is uh, no. No, you may not have an Instagram account. No, you may not have social media. You're not, by terms of service, allowed to do that, and we're going to follow the law. Um, aside from that, too, if he wants to be on social media, then they can be on my account, and I don't mind sharing that account with them. So, I, for example, I have a... A, f- a friend, family friends of ours, their son is an actor. He has been in some big Hollywood movies. He had a, quite a large speaking role, for example, in my big fat Greek wedding too. And he, um, when he wanted his own social media account, because, you know, he has an IMDB profile. Right. Um, they said no. And his mom basically changed her name to his name and profile, but she manages the entire thing. Everything goes through her. So I think in that context to, to forward his profession, maybe, but I don't, I don't think there's a need. I like the idea of a family account. We can all post. So it doesn't just become me because you know, my, my friends may not want to see everything my kids post, but I, I think they're too young. Richard, what do you think? Um, you know, I'd rather see the, the, the students outside uh, playing, you know, getting yep. physical, you know, they're busy in school, then they come home, be a kid. I think, <clears throat> I think our students, I think our kids are, are, are missing out on their younger years and their teen years because <clears throat> they're, they're, they've got their face in social media. There's a time and a place, but, uh, and I get it, everybody else is doing it. But, but honestly, I'd, I'd like to see them getting out and being physical, exploring the world, not looking straight down at their palm uh, or into a screen, but actually looking at the world around them. 
Rob, what do you think? Um, so it's funny because my son's in middle school and we've had this conversation where he, you know, wants to have certain, wants to be treated like he's an adult and wants certain things. And, you know, so we have a lot of conversations. I think that, um, it's important to kind of talk like, what is the purpose? What would, you know, what would you be doing? Why do you, why do you want to have this? And we really talk a lot about just digital citizenship and so he currently this year for the first time it is something that i've kind of we talk about different tools that you know different social media platforms that he would want to use he's not you know he's he's not on twitter he's not on facebook he's not on instagram it's just more like youtube videos that was something i didn't actually allow him to do until recently where he wants to make videos and he wants to be able to um have different things so he'll make something and then if if he's going to post it it's something where i will either approve it or we'll have a conversation on why it might not be appropriate you know with all the different things going on with social media i think the answer is that we don't still have all the answers um we're certainly interested in learning what you guys think out there you can of course find us on tweet on twitter this is at tech ed show and you can subscribe to this and all of our tech educator podcasts over at TechEducatorPodcast.com. we want to hear what you're thinking um we would love to have you guys join us and continue this conversation we of course want to thank our live audience and facebook that's been going on uh, for the last hour here and of course we have a nice chat box over on teachercast.tv and want to say thank you to everybody that's over there um Rich, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Tell us a little bit more about where we can learn about Disrupt Ed and uh, what kind of shows do you have coming up for the month of May and June? Well, yesterday we had Rich Heisler on. Uh, he talked, uh, and Pete Cook, and he talked about technology. <clears throat> and they talked about having co- courageous conversations in the school professional development. Um, we had uh, Inez Barbieri on talking about um, emotional uh, uh, intelligence or EQ. Um, it's, uh, uh, who else do we have? I, mean, I don't know the, the, the list, but what we're looking for, uh, we're always looking for, uh, for unique guests. If you can recommend somebody, somebody's really doing some impactful things in the, uh, in the, in the classroom or as school leaders they are making a big difference. Um, you know, I, 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 I talk about this all the time. Uh, Sky Donzelli from, uh, from, uh, Howell Township Elementary School is here in New Jersey. Um, she teaches, uh, robotics and coding. Uh, Jen, you were talking about coding before, and uh, rocketry for students, and and her sixth grade students. And they said, well, you know, big deal. A lot of people are doing that. Well, her students have Down syndrome. There's, her, she teaches it to a special needs class, and so the, what she does with those students is just, just, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's uplifting. It's inspiring. And you know, we have teachers like that. We have teachers doing some really great things in the, in the classroom. We have. We have a, a, a student um, right here in Manasquan who um, who designed an engineering class, a portable runway, so the planes can land in third world countries. That's the kind of stuff that our students are doing in our public schools all throughout the country and all throughout the world. And um, but unfortunately, these great teachers and great leaders are operating in silos. And Disrupt Ed TV takes those great teachers and great leaders um, and introduces them to the rest of the world. So that teachers doing disruptive things and leaders doing disruptive things know that they have a community uh, or say, or like they would say, a tribe of, of uh, like-minded 
um, educators who are trying really to, to make a big difference uh, in our schools. To change the status quo. Now, speaking about being disruptive, would you ever consider having an entire panel on your show consisting only of Sam's puppets? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm watching him. I think that would be clever. I'd love to have him and, a, and his puppets on the, uh, on the, on the, uh, on the show. But um, yeah, we've had some, some really powerful impact. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> uh, I'd love to have uh, a, a panel discussion. So we're, we're starting a show called The Tracy Severin Show, and um, that's going to be a panel discussion, kind of like The View or The Five, uh, where we can have some really – hard um, and, uh, and intense conversations about, uh, about topics in education, like, like assessments, um, you know, pros and cons of it, and, and really get deep and, uh, and, and at the granular level about should we do assessments or should we not do assessments, and is it, even if there's a place for assessments. So panel discussions are good, but um, we're looking for those disruptive educators, people really make an impact. You know, those, those teachers whose students say, hey, I can't wait to get to school. And, and, and when they groan, um, when it, only when they have to leave the classroom, not when they walk in the classroom, say, I don't want to leave. I want to be here. You know? uh, and, and our feeling, too, is that every, every, every student should have a teacher of the year teaching them in their classrooms. And uh, how, we, how do we do that? By providing professional development. And Disrupt Ed TV provides that free and on-demand professional development to every teacher and every administrator. Rob, tell us a little bit about where we can find out more about the things you're doing up there in Connecticut. Uh, at Rob Pennington Nine on Twitter, and um, you know that's where I've been putting some stuff. We're doing some really neat things. We're going to be adding in. We have a STEM lab, but really bringing in someone who is going to support our teachers, build capacity, and it's it's going to be a great journey that we kind of travel on. And this weekend, our school's having a carnival, so that'll be. A lot of fun. That is pretty awesome. You guys going to Stu Leonard's after the carnival? Now we'll have a lot of ice cream there. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jen, tell us a little bit more about where we can find that podcast. Oh, you can uh, find our podcast, Shooks and GIF, uh, on any platform, uh, Google Play, uh, iTunes, like in the App Store, wherever you're looking for it, or bit.ly slash Shooks and GIF. And I can be found all over social media at Virtual GIF with two Fs and my uh, blog is virtualgift.com. Pretty cool. Now, Sam, next week we're going to be talking about puppets. Uh, you're going to be showing us a little bit about how to create a puppet in the time that we have here. If somebody wants to get ready for the show next week and have a puppet, what kind of paper bag should they have? Uh, they should have a... Um, I always use the paper bag for my half pints. You know, the ones I get on the way home from work, usually the whiskey, because that fits nicely in my pocket. Um, also, if you want to just scan your head real quick and 3D print it, about uh, 55 millimeters wide is the width I usually use. That'll that'll make us ready for the show. Thanks for asking, Jeff. That was uh, awesome. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to edit that little part out. And of course, we want to say thank you guys out there for uh, checking out the show tonight. Again, TechEducatorPodcast.com is our home here for this show. You can find us. Check out all the great archives, except for the last 30 seconds of this one here, and subscribe to everything. On behalf of everybody here in the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.